Welcome to the podcast, Storytelling and Safety, brought to you by you, the listener. Please visit the website, storytellingandsafety.com, for other episodes. Welcome back to Storytelling and Safety, the podcast. I'm so excited about today. We've got a good friend. I, I wouldn't call him a guest. He is a guest, but he's really more of a friend. Um, so let me introduce him to you. His, his name is James. He's got a little over 33 years of experience in health and safety. Um, but more importantly, we're going to talk about not just safety, but his, his background and what he's been through, a little bit about leadership in occupational safety and health. Also, James is the president of Beretti Inc., his professional safety and health and environmental firm. They do provide a bunch of technical and business safety solutions. Um, he's also successfully consulted with a, a bunch of clients in industries that include healthcare, manufacturing, television, construction, and agriculture environments. I just think about that, television to agriculture. Can you imagine the stuff that's in the middle of that? Anyway, his efforts have resulted in measurable, improved operational efficiency, productivity, lower insurance rates, and for sure, lower injury rates. James is also wrapping up his term, um, literally tonight, tomorrow, um, as Region 1 Vice President of the American Society of Safety Professionals. He's been a very, very good leader, amazing leader, a close confidant. I can always remember back to 2004 with my first interactions with James regarding a project, and uh, he will always be a mentor to me. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate this. Uh, I've been enjoying these podcasts you've been doing, so... You know, you get a lot of stuff out of these things, isn't it? Uh, but I will tell you this, when, we first, when you started reading all this, I thought, my gosh, it's been a long time. <laughs> what, since you started or since we've talked, since we've started talking? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Since, so both since I started and since you and I uh, became connected too, back in 2004. So I just can't believe the time's gone by that quick. It only seems like a few years, you know what I mean? Well, first of all, let me tell you, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm probably my only listener. Like, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't um, think so. <laughs> I've, been, I've been looking at the numbers and I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I started this in a whim and I thought that I'd bring some people on that weren't in occupational safety and health, but I also found that the people that are in occupational safety and health, they've got a story to share. And then I, I really want to get their message out. Um, I, I tell you, the ASSP one that I did with Kim McDowell and um, Susan Clark and, and Ariel Simone, they, they were very grateful for a platform like that because they very rarely get to, to talk about what it is they do. And I know society has that, it's one of those things where you're, you're just, you don't have to get in because of a secret handshake. It's just, you get in because you're just willing to do things. And I know from previous experience, James, you're certainly willing to do things. And um, you've helped me out of my career. Um, I've seen you from what we've, you know, that first interaction was because a project went wrong and you jumped in to, to help out. And I'm always, I've always been thankful for that. And I got really good guidance from you. So anyways, thanks for making it. Thanks for being here. Um, and I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Well, thank you. And it's an honor really to be with someone like you because, you know, you may be looking one way, but I'm also looking at you looking at your, your growth and what you've done and what you've become and what you're becoming still. Um, and quite honestly, it's an honor. I mean, to even have you think of me even on this level. So. <laughs> oh, geez. Thanks. James, you're awesome. <laughs> you know how to make a person feel good. So James, I got some great yeah. questions for you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to pop a surprise question, which I do to all my guests. Okay. Um, I, 
guests or friends, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm just going to pop a surprise question on you. Anyway, so here, if you're ready, here's the first question. Sure. Why don't you tell the listeners how in the world you got involved with safety? Now, I'm going to preface this because I'm going to follow up at the end of this. Did you kind of fall into safety? Did you kind of, did safety pick you? How did that work out for you? Just tell us about your background. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, thanks for actually asking that because a lot of people don't realize my degree is actually in business uh, administration with an emphasis in marketing. Um, so now that might make a lot of sense to people the way I am with regard to safety leadership. But nonetheless, um, what I found coming out of college was a, a number of different types of positions that were open. But in having worked with a counselor at the university I graduated from, that, you, that counselor was incredible because they pointed out two areas and very diverse areas. One being business administration with an emphasis in marketing seemed to fit. And the other one was industrial engineering. So if you know about human factors engineering, those kinds of things, not quite the same thing, but you're looking at all the different dynamics that are involved. And of course, I went the route that will be impacted program. So, <laughs> and that boils down to this, which is really getting into safety, really, I viewed it as a challenge. And the reason why I viewed it as a challenge is from a business perspective, most business people, people who are going to become managers, people who are going to be financial uh, advocates, people who are going to eventually lead the organizations in the CEO or the president uh, position, which many people I graduated with have done that with their careers, some of whom have retired now. Uh, they were able to afford uh, retirement early. We never really did talk about the integration of safety within a business process. And so my first position, you know, I really enjoyed, but what really kind of got to me was I always wanted to do something that would be forward leading with regarding to helping people. And the safety and health field is what attracted me um, because you can, you can make a difference and you can actually integrate the safety processes within all of this stuff. Um, and make the business successful. In fact, it is a foundational component and one that is often overlooked by business leaders as something that is essential in order for the business to continue to function and be effective, efficient, profitable. You know, keep it going, sustaining it. I mean, what's better than sustaining your human resources that made you successful in the first place, right? So it's those kinds of things. And, you know, there's lots of hurdles to, to overcome. And I quite honestly fell towards it. And, you know, to answer your follow-up, so to speak, um, kind of fell into it. And um, I fell into it because of the challenge that it presented, but I liked the nobleness of the profession. That makes That's, sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. You, okay, I'm, I got to go back. Um, sure. You, you said the four magic words, all of this stuff. <laughs> when it comes to safety, there's just, <laughs> there's all of this stuff. And like, I, yeah. everybody thinks like there's just, it's just easy. It's, it's a lot of work. And, I'm, and a majority of uh, really good injury rates that are low, um, safety is a, is a fabric of the business. And to be able to integrate that, I, those are excellent terms. Um, I remember EPE. I remember that as something that I had to learn in business school, and that's efficiency, productivity, and, and effectiveness. Yeah. <clears throat> and the fact that you said it even here, um, even 
research goes to show that, you know, vice presidents, general managers, plant managers, those folks are looking at all numbers. And now that safety is one of those metrics, um, so to speak, and you could talk about it from different tier levels, from mm -hmm. operators to operators or supervisors to operators, even all the way up to general managers to directors. When, it, when you start thinking about all of this stuff, yeah. it's funny how something like that can change and shape the way people look at specifically safety. And you said you fell into it. And there's this Pareto principle that I bring up to students. Oh, when yeah. I talk, when I talk to students, I'm thinking, did you know that you're in a unique position? Because people in my generation, people my age, we actually, I, all pun intended, we kind of fell into safety. And you're, you're, you're no different. You, you fell into safety too. But there was somebody out there that was guiding you um, that you probably looked up to and you thought, wow, this is kind of a cool business. This is kind of a cool <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Is question number two, is there anybody out there you'd like to give a shout out for their guidance, their mentorship, or pointing you in this direction? Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, man, there's probably too many to name them all. And I apologize <laughs> if I don't get them out, you know, here. But uh, believe it or not, you're one of them. You're one of these folks that I look at and seeing how you've done and what what's going on and how you've really spread your wings and become very successful at this career. Um, and it made me realize, hey, you know what, you know, this is, this is feasible. It's, it's not, you know, it's great to see someone like that. I want to kind of follow that. But, you know, I mean, Dan Hopwood is probably one of them, a gentleman by the name of Glenn Azevedo. I mean, he's the one that actually got me, uh, if you will, into to leadership. Um, and uh, Terry Norris is one. Uh, I can't leave out Faye Feeney. I got to tell you, um, she was really um, a wonderful guide and a help on that. Um, especially getting me exposed more to a society level type of thing. But the true person who started off, unfortunately, is no longer with us. He's, he hasn't been with us for a while, was actually a gentleman by the name of Gail Needham. So some of your listeners may go, oh my gosh, there's a name from the past. Um, and he's one of the people that actually advocated for the BCSP, as an example. Um, and I think he was, if I'm not mistaken now, he could have been um, exaggerating a little bit, but he, <laughs> yeah, he, I believe, is one of the uh, helping founding members of the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. He believed in a credentialing for this, uh, this field. He believed in a credentialing for uh, the skills and everything that we have. And of course, you can see the credentialing has expanded, um, which is a great thing. It, it, he's an interesting guy because he was a pre-med student who decided to drop out of college so that he could be the person drafted for the Korean War. Mm -hmm. um, that way there and none of his other family members had to do it, although another one of his brothers did go. Uh, they never lost, nobody, you know, they didn't lose anybody in that. But coming out of that experience, he decided not to go back into the medical field. He went into a whole different direction, into the financial field. And that led him and I to actually meet talk. Um, you know, once I got hired into the company, I didn't go in as a safety professional, but it was great to listen to him. And once a position opened up in the safety and health department, as it was known at that time, good for it. You know, no real experience in safety. Kind of like you say, we kind of fall into it. But he felt I would be very helpful by understanding foundational elements of business. And, you know, from the business school, and he thought it would be very good and uh, got to work with him for many, many years. He was very, very successful uh, safety professional, uh, just 
really, I, I owe him a lot because he opened my eyes to what this field could be. Um, you know, so I don't think I've ever thanked him so much, <laughs> at least vocally. <laughs> I know I've had discussions with other people. In fact, some people who know, who knew him, worked with him, they were all saying, you know, I could see that. I could really see that. He was just a very interesting guy. Um, you know, not a hundred percent perfect kind of guy, but boy, his compass was in the right spot. It really was. And he saw something in me and uh, I glommed onto it. And boy, am I thankful. I tell you, it, I really am. I like the term compass is in the right spot. That's nice. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, no, 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 I do. I mean, I've seen yeah. quite, a, quite a few people that are misguided. So to mm, think that they're, yeah. they're I mean, to, on the flip side, to think that their compass isn't in the right spot. Right. Um, but for us to look out and look into the, where they are, it's it's kind of easy to pass that judgment. So staying on the positive end, co the compass yeah. is in the right spot. I think that's a great terminology, a piece of terminology. But you said, <laughs> well, I, I, I have actually heard of Gail Needham. Oh. Um, don't know much about him, but I do know about him. Mm -hmm. the, the, the few people that you did mention, Dan Hopwood, for sure. Uh, we were on the Council of Regional Affairs together. Um, Glenn Acevedo, I've heard this name as well. Not sure who that is though. I gotta go back and do some research. Terry Norris and Faye Feeney. I two amazing people. Mm -hmm. By the way, thank you for saying me you I would never expect that, but thank you. <laughs> um but let, let's go back to Faye Feeney. I remember when she got the fellow, the main stage when she received the fellow, I was sitting in the front row with my wife Sheila and there was um her her uh, grandchild was in the front row with her. And I said, watch this. This is really, really cool. <laughs> she is so highly respected. And my goodness, you should be proud of her. And I, I get, Faye will, she'll, it tickles me every time because Faye will come up to me and says, what you said to my grandchild was so unbelievable. They will never forget it. And they always ask about that big-headed Samoan guy. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's funny. I... Anyways, I, I love, I love them. I love everybody that you've listed here is, is, has been some way of a positive attribute to mentorship. And um, Terry Norris just got her fellow this year. I just, yeah. Uh, although she didn't get to be on the big stage like Faye I did. I, I hope they try to find a way to, to bring her on stage and give her some kind of kudos. But uh, yeah, Agreed. great list there, James. And I'm in agreement with you. I think those are all great mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have been. Yeah. Um, so, I got to switch things up here a bit. I have to ask, at, at what point in your career did you start noticing that you could be a great mentor or leader? I mean, I know this is hard to reflect on because you're a very humble guy. And <laughs> I know you don't like to toot your horn a lot. Actually, I've never heard you toot your horn. But there had to be a moment where you were like, you know what? I think I can do this. Is, can you define that moment? Dude, I know you're a great leader. I've seen your work. <sighs> so that's actually tough. Um, and you're right. It, it, it's, I tend to look outward rather than inward. I mean, I reflect inwardly, obviously, when, when I have an opportunity to do it to try to improve myself. But That's a sign of a great leader, by the way. Uh, I don't know, man. Right. I tell you, there, there are a lot of sleepless nights when you do that sometimes and sort of kick yourself you know, for why did I do that? I should have done something better. But we all have those experiences. Anyway. For sure. You know, wow. Uh, so really, if we're talking about, uh, you're talking about 
basically people that look to me as a mentor who I'm mentoring. Wow. Um, no, don't, don't give me the list just yet. Yeah. I just, I just want to know what that defining moment was where you said, I think I can do this. I, I actually want to run for office. I think I might have one oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That, that I would have to say, you know, it really came from, um, uh, Len Azevedo, maybe Phil Combest, you know, those folks that uh, I used to be in the Orange County chapter in California. And um, Terry became a, a member of that chapter, which was, was great. I mean, you can see we all serve together on the same board to give you an idea. Um, but Glenn, I think when we were looking at it, we were looking at that chapter that needed some help. And um, Glenn was like, look, if you, you come in with me, Let's do this. And I remember looking at Glenn going, I, I just don't think I could ever lead, you know, a chapter, let alone try to lead a chapter out of a, 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 a very poor position. And he said, tell you what, he goes, I'll, I'll be president if you're vice president, since no one was stepping up at all. You know how that is. In those days, it was voluntold, whereas today we have much more competition, which I think is healthy, healthy, healthy to do. Um, and so that happened. And Glenn and I played off each other with regard to our strengths. And I think that's when I began to realize that, you know what, um, maybe I can do this. And so let's see what happens. It's not just about you having to be the quote unquote leader, if you will. It's how you're interacting with the team and who you're attracting in with good uh, skills to be able to really make this a great experience. And that was really where the focus was. Um, and I give credit to Glenn for a lot of that, Glenn Azevedo that is. Um, you know, it, it, and uh, it, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, I've gone from there, you know, Terry kind of, Terry Norris, you know, after I served my term as president, she served her term as president. And of course, we know the rest is history now <laughs> being a fellow, which is really something. Um, but she was one too, as, as she was, you know, continuing forward and challenging herself and, you know, really kind of reflecting about what she could or couldn't do. Uh, which was great to have conversations like, like that. She was one who encouraged me to, to move forward. Um, and there must have been a lot of discussion because Faye Feeney also reached out. And like I said before, she's the one that put me more into uh, positions in society, which for me, <laughs> I have to tell you, when I first started, it was like, I was just, oh my gosh, I was in awe. I can't believe I'm sitting here. I can't believe Faye Feeney or Terry Norris or Glenn even thought of it, you know, that I could do this. But eventually it became something where it was reinforced. And what I mean by that is those folks and so many others um, that have been, you know, pushing for me to do things and kind of saying, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, like Martin Jefferson, Hopwood, you know, those folks. And I don't mean to name drop all over the place, but I think of these people as kind of at the right pivotal times, they were ones that reached out or said something to me like, let's go to coffee, let's go to lunch, I want to talk to you, you know, those things where it's like, mm -hmm. hey, here's the next thing I think you ought to try when I'm not even looking at it myself thinking I could even do this. Um, and from them and so many others, I've really learned a lot of things. Listen, definitely not a perfect leader. <laughs> I don't know anybody who is, but it's been, um, it, I have to tell you, it has been rewarding and it's been gratifying because of what you see others getting from you and it it's just been it's just been really good so I, I would say that that pivotal moment was really 
back at the Orange County or the, yeah, because the, then it was called Orange Coast chapter, but back in the Orange County chapter and uh, with Glenn sitting down saying, look, well, if we really care about this, why don't we do something? I mean, I could almost pinpoint the year, if you wow. will, <laughs> but yeah. to, to really know that. And then ever since then, those other key people have been pivotal and, and just uh, thinking, hey, you know what, James, you could do this. You, you really could and you should. And here's why. Wow. So thanks for sharing anyway. that. That's I, I, yeah. I call, I've actually called this the path to confidence. I, I, was oh, think, I love it. I, I, there's this um, Gino Mattioni. We're all name dropping all day today, but um, perfect example. <laughs> and this goes back to a story. I, we had a, it was my year to be president at the Arizona chapter and Gino walks in. I'd never met the guy. He's never met anybody in the room. And he just came into the planning meeting, which typically happens in July. So he came into the chapter planning strategic meeting, says, hey, I'm Gino. And I said, hey, what's going on? He goes, well, I saw that you posted it on social media, then I should come in. Now, the year before, we didn't have social media, so we just created all these accounts that year. And he walked in and I said, oh, thanks for being here. He goes, I just thought I'd come in to see what this is all about. And I said, well, congratulations, you're a new, brand new newsletter editor. He goes, wait, hold on. I didn't come in here to get a role or anything. And I said, well, you're here. You might as well help us plan. <laughs> anyway, there's one way. There's another way. You're thinking, how am I going to get involved? What do I need to do? This is my first chapter meeting. And all of a sudden, you know, you show up. And you show a little bit of interest. And leaders are always trying to find who that next person is for moving into yeah. leadership. And I think that also is a sign of great leadership when you're always out there looking but you're always out there and it's not just the looking part. You're trying to give them information on what they need to do to be where you have been. And that is, that is a great leadership characteristic. And we, you kind of learn that organically in society, mm -hmm. especially if you start out in the chapter positions. Um, I'm not saying that anything at the society level means that you can't, you can't participate at a higher level than that. It's just that if you go straight into leadership at society level, um, there were so many other steps that most people took. And you and I, I think, took the same path. Although I don't think I got the chance to team up. And I think uh -huh. it's kind of cool that you were able to team up with Glenn and move that chapter forward, which you probably turned that chapter. I did attend a couple of Orange County meetings and I, the, the chapter meetings there, they're very cordial, very nice, professional, but they're also fun. And I think... That is a good mixture of chapter meetings. And there's so many chapters out there that probably are struggling. Um, but for you, the path to confidence occurred after you already saw the teammates, the teamwork, the teaming up, the collaboration, going through a few chapter meetings, meeting a couple of key people like Terry Norris and Faith Beanie as you were going through this. And then you ultimately got support from your leadership. And I think a lot of people overlook that. So I think what you just said was extremely important. The path to confidence, it may be a long winding road, but eventually you're going to get to a, a moment in your, your volunteer leadership career. Not only does it affect you there, but guess what? When you get into the workplace, you now have this confidence you've developed through all of these things you've done as a volunteer. Uh, you're, so, you're so very right. I mean, it makes a big difference in running and leading your own business, having that confidence, like you say. Um, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, I'm ending my term as RVP for Region 1. What I'm so thrilled about is I, I mean, there's just so many good leaders I've seen in the last three years in this region. 
you know, I only wish I could have been able to tap and use every one of them. I suppose if I rotated the offices about once every six months, it would have happened, but (laughs) there's an issue of consistency with that too. But no, I I totally agree. I totally understand what you're talking about with that. It's, it's amazing. Right. So so many good leaders. I, I've said time and time again that I'm, I feel like I should resign so I can make room for all these other leaders that are here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, one that we both know, Melissa Small, she's ready to go. Yes. She's like, I'm ready to go. I've been ready to go for a couple of years now. I'm like, I... <laughs> great leader, great leader. She's going to yeah. go so far. I mean, her, unreal. Her path, her path yeah. to confidence was, uh, I, she took the long way. Uh-huh. She did the presidential thing. Um, but she also, she, she did everything right every step of the way. So mm-hmm. I could see her, I could see her blooming, not just in this volunteer career but i see her blooming at her workplace i see her interactions with other professionals i see her even at home how she's interacting with her family i, I see all of this i mean that you know, I, I don't want to get emotional about it but i, I just it feels kind of cool so that yeah um, as a leader i think you can share that too oh absolutely okay so you were name dropping <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, but they're good so, people i mean what do you want me to say <laughs> i totally i totally get it so you, i earlier that stopped you mid-sentence and asked um to to give us this specific moment in your leadership career now i'd like to know on a transition is there anybody out there that you're currently mentoring other than me <laughs> um, and then other than your employees is there anybody out there professionally that you're mentoring currently Boy, you know, if you're looking at it from a formal standpoint, nothing formal. I, I did have an opportunity to do that with Tom Kramer, um, you know, who sits on the board, you know, uh, of ASSP. Um, and I'm not sure if, you know, after the first or second meeting, it, the, if the roles didn't kind of reverse, but it didn't matter. We, we actually met and enjoyed each other's company from that, which was really good. Um, you know, I heard when uh, you were talking with Wyatt, Wyatt Radbury, uh, that, uh, you know, he had said I was one of his mentors. I, I do hope that I am, you know, one of several mentors that he has. I do hope I'm doing that with him. Um, but nothing formal. And, and to be honest with you, um, I think it's good that way. I really do. I, I think there's some, oh, what is it? Some organic, well, not even leadership, but there's an organic way of being able to learn from the person you're mentoring while you're giving out, you know, other advice or other ideas and thoughts to build their confidence in what they can do. Uh, and, and I hope I've been able to do that, especially through this position with RVP. I mean, there's a lot of people, as you know, being RVP, you have an opportunity to really demonstrate leadership um, and mentor people through that position to see what they have in themselves, challenge them a little bit, and be able to give them ideas and thoughts and guidance of, hey, you know, what do you really want to pursue and, and what direction you want to go? So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I tell you, there are several individuals I've met over the years that, you know, we may not talk, but once every four or five months or something like that. But when we do, 
we get into these kind of discussions and then, hey, I was thinking about this and hey, I was thinking about that. How did you meet a challenge like this? And I think that's kind of an informal mentoring right. kind of process that's going on. So, and I view them all to be, you know, you mentioned about the idea of friends, man, I am honored, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I do feel the same way. And I think there's a lot of people out there through this mentoring process that I feel that way too, that I could always call up and kind of confide in um, and know that it would remain that way. And they would give me good guidance. So as a, as mentor, you know, you always get something from your mentee. And um, I think that's really, really cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a couple of things you said there. I'm going to just kind of recap. Um, you said learning from the mentees. So you, mm. there, I think the best path straight to leadership is learning. So learning being the path to leadership. If you're yeah. willing to learn regardless of what position you're in, um, and if somebody, it doesn't matter if they're younger than you, brighter than you, smarter than you, more educated than you, if you can learn from them, take advantage of it. Um, don't think that uh, you're better than them. And I've run a couple of, uh, run across a couple of professionals that have that opinion about themselves. I think mm -hmm. since they're, they're further along in their career that, you know, they don't need to learn from anybody. I, Wyatt Bradbury is well beyond his years. That guy. Oh, big time. He, uh. He continues to surprise me every day. And he gave me a compliment um, before we recorded that podcast. He says, I always wear a suit jacket to every meeting that I go to. And the only reason why is that I saw you wearing a suit jacket. And you, you're always looking fresh and professional. And I said, well, I don't, I'm wearing a cowboy sweater right now. But thinking about that, comp <laughs> thinking about that compliment and how it touched, touched what he does in his career, he does that out of respect. And, you know, he, he, I don't know if you knew this, but he was in the – he was in the Naval Academy. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. So I, yeah. doing that conversation with them, leadership comes in many different ways. Um, but if you're always willing to learn, you will always have that path wide open to you. And mm -hmm. that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> Tom Kramer, that guy. <laughs> if you were able to look up in the dictionary, um, the most coolest ethical professional in the world it probably would be thomas kramer mm -hmm. and he is also well beyond his years and um, i'm pretty proud of his career too to see his path from you know i think he was on the council of professional development to mm -hmm. became the vp of copd mm -hmm. and then you know he does a lot of work traveling for his company and then the, the the work that he does he's he's one amazing cat so those, those are great names, and I, I really appreciate all you do. And I, I, I can't say that you don't mentor your employees. I know for a fact that you do. Um, you got a <laughs> I don't know. System. There are days I think they want to throw me out of the company, but you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and well, here it is. So talking about ethics and morals, um, there's a lot of what we've had in terms of this discussion. This will be the last question before your surprise question. Oh. Um, I know you're involved heavily with ethics at the society. I know you're on the ethics committee. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any quick recommendations on how professionals should discern between the difference of ethics and morals? Oh, wow. Um, I do know this, that a lot of times people confuse the two. Um, what I would probably suggest is this, is just understand that your morals are probably more personal. They are guided from a number of different factors in your life, like say, you know, there are morals that people have that are religious based. There are morals that people have that are family based, you know, those kind of things. Um, whereas ethics are really much more along the lines of what's accepted 
or expected, I should say, within a profession, within a field. So it's kind of like ethics are viewed that we're looking at all these morals and all these different things that come together to make up an ethical code of conduct, if you will. And really, if you ever wonder, because there are times where, you know, morals today change over time, and so do ethics, okay? But as the morals change, you know, it could lead you into an ethical quagmire, if you will. Whereas ethics really should morph and change as the profession and the expectations are with it. So I always point to people that, look, if you ever wonder, gee, this feels morally right to me, but boy, somehow, I don't know if this really fits well with what we've got and what I'm doing in my profession. Go back to that code of conduct. Take a look and just, I mean, it's simple to read. It only takes you five minutes or less. And anybody, of course, who's credentialed, you have ethics, you know, ethical guidelines too for those areas, but just go back, take a look, kind of helps you recenter. You know, it doesn't make you any less moral. It doesn't mean that you have to drop your morals or anything like that. It's okay. How can I do this now uh, within, you know, an ethical bound? So where you're not overreaching, you're not putting yourself into that, well, ethics are really gray. (laughs) They're not really black and white. They're actually very gray. But let's not get too far over that gray line. Let's not get to the outer edge, if you will. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Okay, I I just, there's so much that you said there. Um, There is a... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tim, giving you workout today, man. (laughs) It's all all good. I I, I wanna make sure that I recap for the listeners. Um, There is a definite, there's a definite difference between morals and ethics, mm-hmm. and you believe that ethics kind of shape and shift as the organization grows, and then then morals are something more personal. This is something you have as you grow and you've developed certain values, so shape and morph your 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 morals. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that uh, I think I'm going to title this podcast "The Many Paths to Leadership." Oh wow! <laughs> and, <clears throat> I mean, we talked a little bit about the path of leadership. We talked, you said all of this stuff. I mean, we just literally talked about a lot of stuff. That's kind of cool. So we could actually call this all of this stuff completely up to you. I, I like the fact that we keep this as a Seinfeld motif and it becomes organic and grows as we move along. We talked about the path to confidence, um, maybe the path to morality. Um, and it sounds like you've got a good title of a book brewing. Um, but, <laughs> it, it, it may not be the path to leadership it could be all the paths in a lifetime in a lifetime anyways you're you're uh james i'm gonna have to actually take some notes i, I literally this is I've, I've taken notes already and i've got two pages full um I'm, uh, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna steal a line from abby ferry she says make sure you grab a pen and paper we're gonna be taking some notes so i think we're gonna be taking some notes here if there's Anyways, a good leader. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's definitely yeah. a good leader. Okay, here's. Are you ready for your surprise question? Uh, okay, I think I'm ready. Go for it. <laughs> I don't. This. Yeah, I, I. I give everybody a surprise question. So here it is. If you could match your life or career as a metaphor, what movie or TV series would best match <laughs> your career or life? Oh my gosh. You think of all the different TV series I've probably seen or the movies I've seen in my life. It's like, okay, I'll watch that. I'm moving on. Um, 
Uh, no, the first one that comes to mind, and I think it actually is accurate, is uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Okay, I want to hear why. That? Let's hear why. <laughs> is it because why? you're Picard, or why, why is this fitting? Well, no, 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 no. What I really liked about it is, you know, look. Okay, so I start the company, and I do that. So I'm the captain of the ship, right? Quote unquote. Yeah, there you and go. you know, here you have this small vessel, right? That okay, you can pilot it maybe by yourself for a little while. But if you want to grow and you want to expand and you want to do some of the things that you envision to do in your life uh, from a professional standpoint, you're going to need people and you're going to need a team. And that's what the next generation is all about is, you know, there is a leader there, but it's really a team based input. And there are times if you notice that during that show that the other team members actually take the lead. And that's what I think leadership is really all about. And I think for me, it's kind of been that way. I mean, I've had an opportunity to kind of explore stuff. A lot of people don't realize I lived in Naples, Italy for six years. You know, I went to grade school there at a DOD Department of Defense, for those of you that may not know, school. I mean, I have sisters who graduated from school there. Um, but not only did I have an opportunity to do that, we explored all of Europe. My father, uh, my parents, actually, my mother, uh, really recognize that this is a great opportunity. Take it now. You don't know when you're going to have it again. And we probably visited every single country in Europe during that time frame. Little did we know we would come back to Europe when my father was promoted into a position in England, which handles all of Europe and the Middle East. So I actually graduated from high school in England. So see, there's your exploration worlds and that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, and uh, it really does kind of have that travel bug that I get. You know, maybe I'd love to travel today, but it's a little more difficult to get around the planet. But anyway, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all of that. But the journey that you're taking with the company you know, is really a reflection of a lot of that experience, a lot of that knowledge, and a lot of the understanding of various cultures. And uh, I wouldn't say I understand people very well, but, you know, at least you get exposed to a lot of different people, a lot of different things. And that's kind of what the company is, is kind of like the vessel and visiting all these other planets and things like that. And I got to tell you, I'm enjoying the ride. It's oh, really that's cool. That's a great, great analogy. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's perfect. Yeah, right, actually, so. I was really concerned about the surprise question, but <laughs> man, that came through. That was good. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. That is a great analogy. Okay, well, you nailed the surprise question. So I'm wondering, since this is going to be the end, we're out of time. Ah. Um, can you finish up with Leonard Nimoy's quotes on the end of Star Trek? Do you know it? Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know it. I didn't expect you to say oh, this. So wait, wait, wait. Wait, is isn't it... it um, space the good of the many outweighs the good of the one that's good that's good i'm also thinking too in the original series from the 60s and 70s yeah what was the last thing he said at the end of every show i cannot recall i have to admit maybe, maybe actually maybe he said it at the beginning of every show i have to t i gotta talk to this guy named Derek Oster, and he's just a movie bluff well you know he's shouting right now at the podcast <laughs> so uh. Yeah, as soon as yeah, as soon as he puts on the earphones, he's going, "What's going on? I can't believe these guys." Anyways, <laughs> you guys forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> James, you have given us incredible insight on the path to leadership. We had a brief discussion about ethics and morals, and I'm going to tell everybody um, there's a chance that you get a chance to read up on James. He's got a couple of articles that are out there. It's one that I use um, for my freshman teachings at Central Washington University. 
Um, oh. And I quoted James in there, and then I also had the students research on what you do for ethics. So um, you're an incredible resource in regards to that information. And you're an incredible resource for un a quote, unquote, quote, unquote, oh. all of this stuff. This guy is amazing. So James, thank you for your time. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Any final words to our listeners? Any way they can get a hold of you? Um, sure. Yeah. Just send me an email. James at BerettiInc.com. Just send me an email there. That'd be great. Um, but Tim, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I know usually when we're talking, we're usually sitting around someplace in a lobby or yeah, something like that. And your wife is there. My wife is there. and We're all just, so what about this? Or what about that? Or we're getting a chance to talk on the side in the meetings. So, uh, but thank you. Thank you, yes. my friend. Really appreciate this. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, for our listeners, storytelling and safety. Um, there's many, many other podcasts you can listen to. You can go to the website, storytelling and safety. Stay tuned for the next podcast coming in about a week. We'll see you down the road. This podcast was brought to you by you, our listeners. Thank you for attending and spending some of your time with us.